Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Okay, now, when we're looking at this, because uh, I'm in California, and the brilliant governor just did another lockdown, this is what's going to continue to happen. Okay, there's going to be a little bit of freedoms. There's going to be a reported spike in deaths or cases. More than likely, it's going to be deaths. And then they're going to be pulling back from the opening because it's always a give and then a pullback, a give and then a pullback. Um, so it confuses people. It's going to confuse business owners. And it's all part to change society. Now, the problem with that is that it's really tough for businesses because the businesses that were told that they were going to be open by April and then they were going to be open by, by you know, July 4th and they're going to be open here, um, none of that is going to happen. But but let's look at physics. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Let's look at there's you cannot have dark without having light. So if you're looking at these actions as destructive, that are they literally bypassing our constitution, um, your right to health, your right to happiness. When you're looking at all the rights that you've been taken away, and I'm sure you remember the quote from one of our founding fathers, if you give up liberty for safety or security, you will have neither. And that's what we're experiencing now is a massive change. But know that it is impossible, impossible to have dark and evil without having an equal amount of light and good. Okay, so, but when we're in the trenches, like if your job has been taken away, if you're seeing people running around with masks and, and afraid of just connecting with others, uh, the churches are being closed down again. I mean, and this is um, absolutely evil, okay, but also the good has to be there. So you focus in on what you can. Now, the purpose of all of the talks that I've ever done is to give you an insight to how things actually work, Uh, to know that we are in a fear-based society. There is a purpose behind this. Now, a really brilliant article came out, and we're going to get into um, diverticulitis and bowel disorders on how to correct that. Uh, but just know that you have physical, chemical, or emotional stress that can lead to those bowel disorders. So w- there's a great article out of the Journal of the American Medical Association, and the title is Excess Deaths from COVID and Other Causes. Well, it turns out that it's not COVID that's the only thing that's um, increasing there's actually a 96% increase in deaths from diabetes, 89% from heart disease, 64% increase in Alzheimer's, 35% in cardiovascular disease, except if you're in New York City. Now, those are five states. Okay, New York City is totally unique. That has got to be the, the most either bizarre population or the bizarre government adding it there have been a 400% increase, 398% increase in heart disease deaths and 350% increase in diabetes deaths. Could it be the lockdown, the shutdown, and the fear? Possibly. Let's look at this. We have to change the new normal. 
Um, and what are they saying? First, businesses are closed to prevent the spread of a viral disease that we don't know what, what its um, properties are. And that makes sense. Okay, for a little bit, but you're not going to quarantine healthy people, and you're not going to do it for an extended period of time. Now, businesses are open now with restrictions, but oh, businesses are closed because the numbers are going up. No kidding. They're going to keep testing. It's going to go up. Think of this. By September, okay, and right now we're in mid-July, so that's August and September within two more months, 28 million evictions will be occurring by September 2020. That's another month and a half. 28 million families are going to be evicted. That means they will be homeless. That's because of the economic shutdown. So if the government was really concerned about health, they would have quarantined the healthy people. They wouldn't close the beaches or parking lots or, you know, for activity only. I mean, this is just psychotic. But the fear, release, fear, release, fear, release cycle, where you're going to be let it back into the public and then pulled back again, will continue on until um, the mandatory vaccines are given every year. Contact tracing is too big. It's too big of an asset for the government. Because think of this. They can send someone into your house, um, bypassing any of your civil rights, bypassing any of the Constitution. Forget that warrant. No, these guys can go buy all of it. And then based on who you've associated with, who you've associated with, so this means no freedom of assembly, then they can give you house arrest um, and if house arrest isn't good enough, they can actually lock you away in a facility without due process of law, a warrant, or anything else. So the contact tracing pretty much wipes out the Constitution or your Bill of Rights. Um, so let's get to normal. Okay, now <laughs> it's, it's interesting because we're 181 days into 2020. And since the average um, in, in America, there's around 7,700 people die every day. So by now, this time of the year, we should have around 1.4 million normal deaths. 1.4 million normal deaths. Now, these are deaths from, you know, stabbings, car wrecks, heart attacks, diabetes, you know, every disease out there. Now, even with the inflated numbers, because when we've talked about the COVID, um, they were listing it as a death, whether the person died with it, died from it, or suspected to have had it. Okay, so the numbers are obviously inflated. But even if we use the 120,000 number that the government is putting forth, it's still 086 um, of normal deaths. Okay, now that's that's think of that. That's a, it's not even one percent of the normal deaths. It's 0.8 percent of normal deaths. Okay, so obviously it's not something we need to be afraid of. However, we do need to be afraid or concerned about the economic cost of the shutdown. Uh, truly, this has never been done before. So we can only go on estimates of what happened in um, the 2008 shutdown, that we can go on history of the, the Great Depression. 
but it looks like for every 36 million newly unemployed, there should be about 7,000 people are going to lose their lives every month. Now, when we're looking at America printing money and and all of the other, you know, the the home violence, the increased alcohol use, the anxiety, increased antidepressants, home violence, uh, it looks like a total cost will be 831,000 people will die um, this year from um, the economic challenges this year and working into next year. Uh, and that's four times the number of estimated corona deaths, four times so far. Uh, it's it's nuts. And the purpose of giving you freedom and then taking it away, then giving you and taking it away, it is a part of the ritual to get you converted to um, their new normal, their new normal. Uh, think of this. If you have been inundated, let's say you're watching CNN, because I had a really neat conversation with a couple of people uh, this past weekend who are completely um, you know, hook, line, sinker in the CNN and and all the news media, where they are wearing their mask appropriately, probably in the car as well. Uh, they're keeping social distance. You know, the guy wouldn't shake my hand. He put his elbow up, so I knocked his elbow down and hugged him. <clears throat> so they're completely delusional. So how do you go from wearing a mask, social isolation, wearing gloves, not going to church, not doing anything, to next week, the government says, oh, by the way, it's all better. You can take off all this stuff, and you can go to restaurants and movies. You can be standing in a movie line when somebody sneezes next to you and not literally crap your pants because, oh, my God, he's spreading germs. Yeah, it's called hay fever. Okay, so so <laughs> uh, realize that, that there is a purpose to this. And we can look at at the obvious, the obvious propaganda, obvious propaganda from the World Health Organization. I mean, if we go back to June 8th, um, <laughs> Marie Van Kerkhove, head of World uh, Health Organization Emerging Disease and Zoonotis um, Unit Division, said from the data, data, and this is looking at the contract tracers from around the world, it still seems to be very rare that an asymptomatic person actually transmits onward to a secondary individual. It's very rare. Of course, immediately afterwards, um, the next day, she said, well, based on models, um, it could be up as 40%. So we know how accurate the models have been. Uh, but on June 8th, she said, look, it's rare if it's going to be transmitted, which is the whole purpose for lockdown and social distancing and masks. And if she is doing something, making a statement that's against the party line, uh, obviously she had to be pulled back in a check. So we're going to look at um, bowel disorders. But I did have something that was unusual. Now, I'm adjusting... Um, this this one guy who's really, really good at research. I mean, the frigging guy is a genius. Um, he's real famous, too. And I was asking him uh, about tumor growth um, because he's very, very skilled in vaccines and, and litigation. I said, hey, you know, have, have you heard anything about um, uh, 
benign tumors or malignant tumors associated with with vaccination. And because I know there's a, there's a lot of literature on it in humans, but he told me about cat tumors that they're vaccinating cats in the tail because they're seeing so many um, sites of tumor growth at vaccination sites. And so they instituted a, um, and this is PetMedMD.com, vaccine-associated sarcoma in cats. So they initiated a huge study. It's called the Vaccine-Associated Feline Sarcoma Task Force in 1996. And this is to find and to propose changes in vaccination protocol to reduce the risk of um, the tumors. And it's interesting that that um, uh, protocol or task force in 1998, the American Association of Feline Practitioners developed a whole vaccine advisory panel to look at which vaccines were causing these tumor growths. It's just interesting that we have never done that with, um, you know, kids. <laughs> but if your cat is going to get a tumor and have their leg removed or tail removed, which is a big deal because I love pets. I mean, I had a pet cat that was like freaking amazing, and I've always had dogs my whole life. Um, but children, we're not looking at that. And so far this past week, I had two, um, well, young people that um, both had benign tumors and both were fully vaccinated. Was the vaccine a causative factor? Don't know. Don't know because there's no studies on it. The The data shows that it does cause tumors in some people and it does cause tumors in animals, but it would be nice to do a study on humans. So now let's look at diverticulum. Um, it, when we look at the intestinal tract, it's a, a tube that goes from your mouth to your anus, and it goes through the esophagus down into the stomach, uh, and then it goes into this small intestine called the duodenum, then the jejunum, then the ileum, and then this dumps into the large intestinal tract. And, in, and the large intestine is a muscular tube that um, is supplied by this automatic nervous system called the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's also called rest, digest, and repair. Now, under physical, chemical, or emotional stress loads, you can get altered blood supply and nerve supply to that intestinal tract. And that's hugely important because that altered nerve supply to the intestinal tract, okay, literally um, weakens it. So think of this. You've got a muscular tube, and if you compromise the blood supply or nerve supply in the food inside of the tube, if it pushes pressure on the outside, you can get an ouch pouting called a diverticulum. If it weakens and there's an in pouching, it can be called a polyp. So polyps and diverticulum, it's just kind of like an innie or an outie. But it's also um, the precursor of both of those has to be a chronic stress state because physical, chemical, or emotional stress load can cause that area to be damaged. So definitely, you have to look at the underlying cause of them. So now, a di diverticulum is just an outpatching. Uh, uh, an itis means inflammation. So if you're calling diverticulitis, okay, that means that that outpatching is inflamed. Diverticulosis, osis means condition of. So it just means that there's there's some outpouchings in the intestinal tract. 
and a lot of people will have diverticulosis that, if it's irritated, goes into diverticulitis. Well, what's the actual cause? Um, it, it's interesting because when we look who is diverticulitis affecting, uh, it really, really high incidence rate uh, if you're in America or Australia. And it turns out if you have diets high in animal products, and I mean, you know, like we are, we huge meat consumption in, in America and Australia. Uh, when you're looking at that, uh, that is one of the, uh, well, not really causative factors, but if your diet is high in red meat, you're knocking in a lot of healthy fibers. And it's the fibers. See, this is a muscular tube that the intestinal tract is. And if you're going to work a muscle, I mean literally work a muscle, uh, you need to have the heavy fibers. And this is why you see in Africa and Asia where high-fiber diets are really, really popular, which include more vegetables, there's much fewer occurrences of diverticulitis. Now, some of the symptoms, you're talking tenderness, diarrhea, or constipation, both extremes, nausea, vomiting, fever, chills, and this all has to do with physical, chemical, or emotional stress. Those stressors initiate that immune system response, initiate that fight-or-flight response, and that's hugely important because if, if you're just treating the symptoms, the body isn't going to work well. And, and I mean, you just got to know that. Uh, so the causes of diverticulitis, and we, remember, we're looking at the physical, chemical, and emotional causes. Number one, it's going to be nervous system. Because if you are in a physically, chemically, or emotionally stressed state, uh, you, your body is in a fight-or-flight state, and that's going to be a big challenge. Now, we know genetically modified foods or organisms uh, typically have a huge amount of glyphosate exposure. Now, glyphosate is a natural, uh, well, it's a mineral chelator, but it's also an antibiotic. So, so this means that that um, glyphosates that they spray, it's, a, it's an herbicide, so it kills uh, weeds, but you're spraying it on wheat products. So this means every type of grain, and we're talking non-organic bread, is going to have this, this um, glyphosate sprayed on it. And glyphosate's in the water, it's everywhere. Now, why is this important? Well, because it acts as a um, natural antibiotic. Or well, not natural antibiotic, but it acts as an antibiotic. Now, you have 80% of your immune systems in your intestinal tract. So if you're taking something that damages that, obviously that's going to negatively affect your intestinal tract. And that's your immune system. Plus, you have about three pounds of bacteria in your gut. Now, 85% of this bacteria is good, 15% is bad. Now, you might say, ooh, bacteria is bad. Not really. Viruses aren't bad either because when you have, um, understand that you are a symbiote. You're living on this planet. You're designed to live on this planet. That means you're designed to live around bacteria, funguses, and viruses. And when we know we have about three pounds of bacteria in our gut, you also have about four times the amount of viruses than you do bacteria in your body. 
So this is hugely different. In fact, 45% of your DNA is viral. So you are designed to live on this planet. That means you're supposed to have virus exposure, bacterial exposure, and anything you eat okay, goes through this intestinal tract. So your intestinal flora, the natural funguses, yeast, parasites, bacteria, viruses, those are all natural, normal flora in the gut. And if that gut is getting the exposure from your environment, <clears throat> then you're going to have a healthy response. It's literally, if you look at aboriginal guts, and these are people with almost no autoimmune conditions, almost no chronic illness or diseases, they had about 30,000 different types of bacteria in their gut. That average American, you're looking at one to 2,000 different types. So, so our gut flora is severely deficient. And that's 80% of the immune system. Uh, and, and I know since we're talking about the gut, their gut-brain connection is hugely important too. So if your gut isn't working correctly, that's the enteric brain. So you're talking anxiety and stress. And the reason I started this whole talk on diverticulosis um, with the stressors that um, most of the world is going through of the massive governmental intervention and uh, that's and it's the intervention that's really going to cause the most of the damage, not the um, uh, definitely not the virus, because the virus you have to have a comorbid condition, and 85% of the people that get this virus have uh, no symptoms, little to no symptoms. So let's look at things that can damage that gut flora. Now we know we know antibiotics, and that that's the could be in the food, in the milk. We know vaccines, processed foods, and stress can cause it. Also, Splenda. Now, Splenda is chlorinated sugar. Um, the key is, though, that chlorine can break off of the sugar because your body is supposed to recognize the sweetness. You enjoy the sweetness, but then your body recognizes that there's chlorine, um, and, and then it flushes out of your system without breaking it down. However, that chlorine molecule can break off and it can reduce the amount of good, healthy bacteria in your intestinal tract by 50%. Uh, it literally alters the gut flora. And a lot of people are doing um, Splenda or artificial sweeteners. Now, it's interesting because the symptoms reported on consuming Splenda, you're talking it's eyes, bloodshot, joints pain, sneezing, coughing, head, lungs. I mean, there is a plethora of um, toxic symptoms that occur if you're consuming um, a chemical for a sweetener like Splenda. Uh, then we got to look at the glyphosates because that's hugely important. I mean, there's a study confirming glyphosate levels, and this is the herbicide uh, that, that's also been accused of causing cancer but it destroys your gut flora. It's been found in breast milk in America's moms. In fact, moms across America in Sustainability Plus found high levels, 30% of all the sample tested in mother's breast milk. It's also found in Americans' urine and drinking water, and even 10 times higher um, in, in Americans uh, than the European Union which some of the European countries have restrictions on the glyphosates. 
Um, so it's in your water, it's in your air, it's in your urine, it's in the breast milk, and this damages the gut flora. Do we have a healthy population or a sick population? A sick population. Now, um, when uh, we're also looking at not just not just the the glyphosates, it's sprayed on um, on bread products or or grain products. Now that's hugely important because if you're looking at grain, uh, imagine if you were a farmer and I told you that you could increase your um, your profit uh, by spraying this glyphosate on, because just like all plants, um, wheat products or grain products, they give up their seed when they're dying. And if you can desiccate a crop, you, or that means spray it this, with the glyphosates, you can increase crop production about 20, um, 20 to 30% more. And that's hugely important. I mean, it, it's absolutely vital because that way you can get um, uh, more money. However, uh, it damages the human being. And I know it's tough because now you got to think, gee, profit versus human. I'd, honestly, take human because it's going to be better for you in the long run. I'm going to show a couple of pictures of tonight what a leaky gut looks like. And then we've got lots of data. Okay, one of them is on vaccines, and this is out of the Journal of Molecular Pathology, and I do have a ton of references so that people can understand that these are toxins that are damaging the health, that weakens your immune system response, and, and that's negatively affecting your world. And this is talking about iliocolonic um, lymph uh, nodular hyperplasia. And it's a new form of inflammatory bowel disease. And it's described in children with uh, developmental disorders. And we're, that's part of the gut-brain connection. But it's interesting that you, when you look at developmental disorders like autism and, and a, a lot of impulse control, there's a lot of people, particularly with autism, that have gut issues, GI symptoms. Now, in the Journal of Pediatrics, they talked about how it really is associated, that autism spectrum is associated with a lot of gastroesophageal reflux and other GI symptoms. Out of the Scandinavian Journal for Educational Research, uh, they did a great study on diet follow-up. And this is why, if you have somebody with anxiety, stress, or depression, uh, you've got to get them on a gluten-free, casein-free diet. So no dairy, no bread. And that's going to start to heal the, the brain. But also, what do you need to do? You need to get them out of the physical, chemical, or emotional stress load. And this was a great study, too, because um, after retesting, after four years of this dietary intervention, they found normalization of urine patterns, peptide levels was found after one year, and likewise, a decrease in the odd behavior and an improvement of social, cognitive, and communication skills uh, were registered. So hugely important. Um, it's interesting now because can you imagine being mentally off and seeing all of your handlers wearing masks? Yeah, that might have a challenge. 
when we talk about healing, and this would be ketogenic diet, and this is hugely important for epilepsy, headaches, neurotrauma, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, sleep disorders. <clears throat> Why would that be? Well, because if you increase your fat, you increase the available fats that you can utilize to break down the fatty acids, and this will help with hormone production. Plus, fat is a great source of energy that, it, that slowly leaches into the system. It's not like processed sugar that spikes and then goes down. But fat is really long-term energy, and it was out of this world. This is why, to heal the gut, this is the plan. You've got to get the person out of the physical, chemical, and emotional stress load. Um, look at healthy fats like coconut oil, fish oil, organic butter, fantastically important for you. Uh, even fresh ground flax seeds. Uh, look, once you get the person out of stress, look at colonics. Now, before you do a colonic, make sure that you juice uh, or blend. So this way it's going to start to clean out the intestinal tract. And um, the frequency of the colonics really depend on how toxic you've been. Uh, there's also EDTA, which we use in our Mexico clinic or Tijuana clinic to get rid of the heavy metal toxicities. And this has to do with a lot of industrial workers as well as people that are vaccine damaged. Now, you can do oral IV suppositories. Um, we do both the oral and the IV down in Mexico. So we're going to cover all of this stuff. And we're talking liquid um, solution to diverticulitis. We'll talk about juicing and blending. I'm going to bring in a couple of case studies as well. Just know that your body is designed for health. Your body is designed to live on this planet. If you have a disease or a lack of ease, there is um, physical, chemical, and emotional component to that. But those are clues that your body isn't functioning right. Please listen to your body. Know that you are designed here. Turn off the commercial TV. And we will not just get through this, but keep looking that even though it seems dark and, and, and evil undertones, the good always has to be there. So focus in on the good, my friends. This is Dr. John Bergman, your health advocate. God bless you, and I love you. We will thrive after this. We're getting into the renaissance. <laughs>